Hello and welcome to our Knowledge at HEC Hard News podcast, recorded on June the 1st, 2021. I'm the Communications Editor, Daniel Brown. Today we talk to HEC Professor Alberto Alemano about the EU's response to the Roman Protasevich affair. The government of Belarus is facing a range of new sanctions following the forced rerouting of a Ryanair flight in order to capture one of the passengers. The Secretary General is deeply concerned over the apparent forced landing of a passenger aircraft over Belarus on May 23rd and the subsequent detention of Mr. Raman Pratasevich, a Belarusian journalist. Belarusian activist Roman Pratasevich and his partner Sofia Sapega were detained by their government on May 23rd, 2021. This was after their Ryanair flight was intercepted by a Belarusian fighter jet and forced to land in the capital, Minsk. Last week, the European Union decided on sanctions against the Belarus authorities, led by Alexander Lukashenko. We contacted Alberto Alemano, Jean Monnet Professor of European Law Policy at HEC Paris. Alberto has been researching the EU and political inequalities within European societies for almost two decades. On May 24th, he told CNBC, quote, The Ryanair hijack is the ultimate test case for the credibility of the EU foreign policy on both the world and the EU stage. Does Alberto feel the bloc's new economic sanctions last week are calibrated enough for this, quote, test case? The European response to the Ryanair hijack has been uh, unprecedentedly swift in terms of uh, political will, but it didn't necessarily translate into sanctions capable of affecting the Lukashenko regime. Uh, first of all, we are talking about limited sanctions that have still have to be translated into actions that really have to do with limiting uh, the possibility for Belarus flights to actually operate across Europe. We have already seen the reaction from Russia, uh, basically not allowing uh, certain uh, airlines, including Air France, to actually follow a different itinerary that doesn't go through the Belarus territory. All of this suggests that those sanctions actually do little in changing and uh, challenging uh, the Lukashenko regime, and they rather embolden uh, his own uh, take on the reaction of the West. They are pushing Lukashenko closer to Russia. They are making uh, Russia uh, certainly uh, more heard uh, and more needed also within Belarusian uh, civil society. So I remain very skeptical about the ability of the European Union through its own sanctions to change anything. Uh, and rather, I see some unintended consequences that actually show that those sanctions in this reaction might backfire in the, in the near future. Alberto, what do you make of the declaration by Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission? In a May 24th press conference, she said the EU is closing airspace to planes from Belarus. Uh, let's listen to an extract. Roman Pratasevich has to be released immediately and we will put pressure on the regime as long as uh, it finally respects the freedom of media and the freedom of press and the freedom of opinion. Alberto, is this leading to an airspace war? 
far, the European answer to the flagrant air piracy committed by Belarusian has been to advise airlines to avoid overflying Belarus and to bar the state carrier Belavia from European airports. Key regime figures may also face some travel bans uh, and asset freezes, but this is really about making inconvenient for a few individuals uh, to operate with Europe, but it's not a real threat to Lukashenko's hold on, on power. So I, I don't think that it will also be easy uh, among the 27 member states who have very different interests and different histories regarding Belarus and in general uh, the, uh, the Russian uh, continent uh, today to uh, reach an agreement on those, on those sanctions. We have already seen Hungary being very sympathetic in the past uh, to, to Russia and using his own proximity with Russia and, and Belarus and Ukraine to potentially engender some conflict within the European Union. Uh, we, we saw this uh, during the 11-day uh, war in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We are set to see this happening again. Uh, it's very difficult for the 27 to speak together on those particular issues. Certainly, it would have been a much more compelling answer from both Ursula von der Leyen and in particular from Angela Merkel, her closest ally and, and sponsor, to actually take a stance on Nord Stream 2. Uh, because obviously putting on the back burner Nord Stream 2 now that is close to completion economically is problematic, but at the same time, it would signal some... Uh, serious uh, reaction from the European uh, Union. However, the feeling we have is that at the end of the day, national interest uh, prime over the European interest uh, and therefore the European energy policy today is not necessarily uh, something that could be mobilized in order to respond uh, to uh, the uh, Ryanair hijack and more in general, to the high dependency on, on Russia. When you bring up Nord Stream 2, you are referring to the controversial project to build a Russian oil pipeline to Germany, of course. Alberto Alemano, what are the dynamics within EU foreign policy when discussing such issues? I mean, how unanimous are the 27 nations on questions touching Belarus and Russia? I see the Ryanair hijacked by Belarus as the ultimate test for uh, the European uh, abidance uh, to the multilateral system. At the end of the day, Europe has been preaching uh, that uh, multilateralism is the way forward and has to be preserved together with the respect to the rule of law. But at the same time, the European Union if you think about the agreement reached with China recently, uh, show at the end of the day some pragmatism and some I even uh, stated is uh, cynicism in dealing with external regime and applying to them a very different standards than the one they claim to apply outside of the union. Um, at the same time, we also see some problems emerging within the European Union over the last few years. Uh, regimes in Poland, in Hungary, have really questioned the independence of the judiciary, of the media. And this is spreading to Slovenia, to Bulgaria, probably the most corrupt country. And at the same time, the European Union, notably this commission, uh, shows very little appetite to go after those countries, despite having 
the actual prerogative and even the obligation uh, to uphold the rule of law and those principles within uh, the European Union. There, there's a lot of uh, research done uh, that shows how ambivalent has been the leadership of Europe uh, provided by Angela Merkel, who has been certainly uh, well-intentioned in uh, embracing the rhetorical devotion to the rules-based international system, but at the same time being extremely driven uh, by the economic interests of Germany, which have transformed in Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic and other Central European countries in uh, de facto colonies of, of the German industries with low wages and favorable conditions for the automotive industries that somehow explain why uh, the German interests have been not to uphold the rule of law, but to turn a blind eye and even to champion leaders like Viktor Orban uh, in, in Hungary and, and others, therefore accommodating uh, their, their transformation into autocratic regime within the Union. So I don't think it's an exaggeration to claim that Angela Merkel has been de facto uh, accomplice, an accomplice to uh, both uh, Poland and Hungary, and today, indirectly also to Belarus or even to uh, to Russia. The European Commission today is extremely weak, uh, probably one of the weakest ever experienced so far. Ursula von der Leyen acts as a secretariat uh, of the European Council as opposed to an autonomous, independent organization that is tasked by the European treaties to promote the European interest. Uh, most of my research over the last few years has been tackling issues related to uh, the so-called uh, democratic deficit of the European Union, so the inability of the European system to give a voice uh, to citizens across border uh, in order to uh, somehow fill uh, this gap between what the European Union does and what is accountable for. Unfortunately, the system of European decision-making remains very unintelligible, and this is deeply problematic today, is raising a lot of concerns uh, of credibility in particular after COVID-19, has been unveiling uh, the incomplete nature uh, of the European Union and the need and even the expectation that citizens have vis-à-vis -vis the European Union as potentially a, a problem solver and not only as, a, 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 I would say, a troublemaker as, as in the past. However, I'm an optimist and I think at the end of the day, all the major transformations we are undergoing as a society in Europe uh, will certainly play a role of unveiling the limits of the Union and inevitably will push further uh, the European integration, or at least they will force uh, the uh, European leaders to address new questions and to provide answers which are a bit more credible than those that have been provided so far. So I remain optimistic. It's certainly an interesting time for, for Europe and for different European leaders with upcoming elections in, in several European countries, certainly Germany and France, uh, which will be redefining uh, Europe, in particular the balance of power, uh, but also the delicate situation uh, in other countries, as I mentioned, in Central European countries, but also in the, in the South of Europe, uh, where we see major uh, transformations uh, happening at, at, at the moment. So is, is a Europe made of many Europes, uh, right? 
tensions between the West and the East, between the South and the North. Uh, and even within those alliances, we see uh, major differences emerging as a response to COVID. Um, the resilience and recovery uh, plan will certainly provide um, an opportunity for the European Union to shape uh, the uh, long-term uh, reform agenda of European countries as these are preconditions for the delivery and the release of grants and loans uh, within this major unprecedented action plan. HEC Professor Alberto Alemano on the EU response to Belarus's decision to use a fighter jet to arrest reporter Roman Protasevich and editor Sofia Sapega. Alberto's forthcoming research publication analyzes the European consultation policies in light of the principle of political equality. You can already read some of his research on the subject in his latest book called The Case for Citizen Participation in the European Union. Thank you for listening to the Knowledge at HEC Hard News podcast.